scrolling for July 18th, 2023. I'm Steve Fodor. I'm Chip Hassenflow. <laughs> We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. If you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. I don't know, Chip, uh, summertime is in full swing and road trips are the thing. We're half, oh boy, are we more than halfway through the summer? Oh boy, we're halfway through the summer. Are we halfway through, Steve? Are we halfway through? The summer is here. We've got a few more months. Months? No, we do not have a few more months. That is definitely not the right mathematics, sir. (laughs) Time is fleeting. Take advantage. Get out there. Something tells me that the end of September is when, you know, fall starts. Film at 11. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. Speaking of road trips, you went on a joyride this week. You went to the movie theater and saw the new gross-out comedy from the mind of Seth Rogen. This is Joyride. Well, I I don't don't know. Seth Rogen must have been a producer or something. He's not a writer of this. He's not the director. But let's just say that I watched this at the Alamo Draft House, which is, once again, not a sponsor of too much scrolling. But let's just make sure we we say what a joy it is to watch watch movies at a place that really enjoys movies. I watched it with uh, five of my favorite friends. It was an empty theater, Steve. On an afternoon, that's fine. This one has gotten a lot of great ratings. This is written and directed by Adele Lim, who is the screenwriter from Crazy Rich Asians. Well, I can tell you that the I the the writing is crisp. The actors are are it's wonderfully cast. Um, it is a story about uh, adoption of uh, a Chinese girl from china of course uh and also her her friend who is has chinese american parents yeah and basically they're uh they're best friends in a very um let's just say midwestern town very white town uh and they are the two asians okay and they go on a uh, a fun trip of discovery here right this is a, a pretty typical storyline a typical storyline? Well, it certainly follows a very Seth Rogen path. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I really want to say. This could be a Seth Rogen film with just, you know, a different cast in it. He could write about any culture. But regardless, um, we have our, our uh, two uh, people that we follow during the movie. They head over to China. Well, they're going to close a business deal. And they're friends. And they meet a bunch of friends over in Asia. And then they take a, a journey through China and ultimately wind up in Korea. Uh, it is a, on the simplest level, it's a, it's a fun story. Um, on the grandest part, it's a shot comedy story with lots of, you know, vulgar conversations, lots of over the top sexuality. Uh, and certainly it's designed to uh, poke the bear. If you want to just make sure we're, we're clear on that. Um there's K-pop in this. There are touching scenes in them and very, very touching scenes in them. So there's heart and there's comedy there. I think a lot of people will enjoy this. I, of course, uh, reviewed it. I say 50 out of 100. It follows, you know, you, you have to be a person who enjoys raunchy comedies to really get into this. 
and it is written as a raunchy comedy. And you have to be in the right mood for a raunchy comedy, for sure. I, I do enjoy the occasional raunchy comedy, but it seems like uh, we've seen this movie before. Yeah, and like I said, if you've seen a, a Seth Rogen film, yeah. you have seen this before. Right. And t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is coming out later uh, this summer. It is has Seth Rogen as the producer. My feeling is it's going to be the same movie. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> We'll find out. I will be at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I I, I will uh, report back after we've seen that one. All right. So, Steve, I went to the movie theater. Tell me a little bit about um, <coughs> oh, 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 this movie that you saw, Steve. I did not go to a movie theater, Chip. I, I, no, you didn't, Steve. No, you didn't. You didn't go to a movie theater. You turned on a streaming service, and there it was, looking you in the eyes, just saying, please, somebody please watch me. me. Please click And guess on. what? It was Reba McIntyre's The Hammer, released <laughs> earlier this year. Reba McIntyre's The Hammer, released on Lifetime. It's Lifetime Steve. original. What? Steve, please, God, tell us about this film. <laughs> you thought mine was vulgar and, and crass. This is not yeah, tell me about tell me about Reba McIntyre's this The is Hammer. A very nice American story about a very nice American girl who was raised in a family where she uh, had a, a tortured past, and she became an attorney. And after she became an attorney, she became a district judge in a federal court. And she went back home to her small town where her sister runs a brothel. And the judge <laughs> does she really? Does she really? Is there Christmas going on? Is there ice skating scenes? There is no Christmas in this Lifetime movie, but there is plenty of music, plenty of relationships, and plenty of of not-so-harrowing murder mystery because the judge that she's replacing was murdered. Dun-dun-dun! And then there's a, a man there that she has forgotten from a for- forgotten relationship they rekindle that relationship, sort of, Steve. Sort of, not exactly, not in the way that you might imagine, but sort of, because the the one of the suspects in the murder is is a a person from Reba McIntyre's past. Oh wait, it's not actually Reba McIntyre. She's playing a judge. Reba McIntyre is not in law enforcement. Oh my goodness! All right, um, like this, this sounds. This sounds awesome. Tell me, I liked it. It's not awesome. This is not awesome. This is this is certainly on a level of those Lifetime original films. It's a fun little story about a fun little town with their little foibles and the idea of how we can affect our kids. Reba McIntyre had a tortured childhood that led her down this path in this movie and led her to all of the adventures that she's having as a federal district judge. I did not hate this movie. I like Reba McIntyre very much. I was waiting. I was waiting. And they did it right at the very end. At the very end of this movie, there's a karaoke scene and the judge has to stand up and sing. And everybody goes, oh, the judge is going to sing. But can she sing? yeah she's reba mcintyre <laughs> <laughs> sounds like uh peppermint and hot chocolate steve <laughs>
it was it was fun. I I enjoyed watching it. It was a good <laughs> ninety minutes. It was a short ninety minute story. Uh, it could have been a series. The movie reunites Reba with Melissa Peterman, who was uh, in the original Reba sitcom from twenty years ago. So it was nice to see those two ladies working together and working together very well as a as a co- coherent acting troupe. And yes, that's that's the sister that plays the the sister that runs the brothel. Sounds awesome. Book it, book it, book it. Book it, book it, book it. Book it. Book it. Brings us to our book it, our book of the week. You know, Chip. It is so much fun meeting so many great people, all these people who have these great ideas, who publish these wonderful books. We have a guest with us today. This is Mary Bader Cayley. She has a new book called Burrowed. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Chip. Hi, good morning. So let's let's talk about your book called burrowed the first thing that comes to my mind is the idea of burrows in the east coast states like new york has burrows but this is burrowed b-u-r-r-o-w-e-d like underground so so tell me about this story and how that title uh, applies yeah, I mean, you you caught it. Um, I, I was thinking about the Burroughs, um, B-O-R-O-U-G-H, um, because, uh, and, and then I, I put it underground and burrowed um, underground made more sense to spell it that way. So you caught it. Um, I don't think that anyone has said that to me yet. So kudos to you. Welcome to the smart show. <laughs> Thank you. Three points for Gryffindor. I found my people, huh? so there are these underground communities and they're called burrows and they're underground explain the story here what's what's going on in your in your story so it is a post-apocalyptic story kind of dystopian post-apocalyptic where there was a plague that separated the human race into two uh functioning populations one is going to be above ground that was the healthy people um, the not so healthy people unfortunately have to live separate from their families and go underground um, to escape things like disease and allergies toxic allergies and whatnot and how long did it let's, let's talk a little bit about the creation of the story how long have you been working on this story oh goodness um, I've been looking looking at this story for over ten years. Um, so wow. it does predate it, people that blows people's minds because they think about the current pandemic, and obviously that's kind of um, the same theme of the story. But no, I I was afraid of pandemics ten years ago, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you know that back then we had like Ebola, and um, you know we had some SARS scares and bird flus and whatnot. So um, that was kind of, you know, for whatever reason, that scares the daylights out of me. Um, And so that's kind of how this story got started. It's still hypothetical in some areas. Yes, very much. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of your story revolves around allergies and deadly allergies. Is there a a reason why you, you focus on that? 
so my sister has an allergy um, uh, to peanuts, and um, yeah, that's in the story. Um, and I know of people who have actually, you know, died from that kind of allergy. And um, those allergies are not going away. There, you know, I think that there are more and more people with them. And unfortunately, if that's another thing that just kind of scares me. So I, I felt like the weaker population should be susceptible to that kind of scare, you know, that kind of worry. And it, it seems very interesting that, you know, there are a lot of young people, particularly, have uh, a lot of allergies right now. And yeah. is it, you know, you can ask yourself, is it because we're more aware of allergies or is it because something has changed that right. has allowed us to have this stuff? That's very interesting that you would explore these ideas with part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I have a son who's autistic and um, there's a lot more cases of autism now. Is that mm -hmm. the same thing? Is it because we're more aware and we could uh, diagnose autism more readily? Or is it because there's something else going on? So um, same question. And some of the story is about solving some of these medical crises. This is a, a dystopic novel, a post-apocalyptic, where we're trying to find solutions. So is there is there a, a hope of finding uh, a solution to some of these allergies? I would hope so in the future. You know, you think about everything, cancer, allergies, those types of things. I would, everyone, there's a hope that there's always going to be some kind of future where we can solve more things. Um, there was a breakthrough with Alzheimer's recently, right? Um, so there's always a hope. And, and I also, when I was writing this story, there was the first time that we had mapped out a genome, a human genome. Um, and so do you, do you guys remember that? That was really, for me, that yes. was a nerd like me, that was really exciting. Um, and the hope for that is, okay, well, maybe we can then identify for individuals what kinds of treatments will work for them and which treatments won't work for them instead of just guessing and giving everybody the same medicine, you know? So I'm hopeful um, as long as we have the right access to the right science and, and the, the right people doing the work. I, I'm not one of those people. I wish I were, but you know, I'm, I'm nerdy, but only to an extent. <laughs> um, so yes, the answer is yes. I do hope for- It, it is sort of a, a magical time. You know, the yeah. idea that at, at some point within our lifetime, the the medicines that you'll be provided were specifically made for your specific DNA. Yes. Um, and, you know, where one group gets more of something and less of another thing, you may get the opposite just because, you know, some variation of, you know, of your, your humanness. Right. Right. Yeah. It makes so exciting. much sense because people react to things differently. Some people have those allergies. Some people don't. What's going on? You know, so I think there's an interplay between genetics and immune systems and whatnot. So. And but, all of that is in the story of this book, where we have different groups of people who lead different lives and have different treatments for their medical needs. Yeah. Honestly, this is the first time I'm talking about this in any of my interviews. So um, you're right. This is the, the let's dive deep with this show. So I love it. And is that the catalyst for you writing the story was to explore these ideas? Um, was it the catalyst? No, I, I, no, I'm, I'm actually I started out just writing stories 
And if you write enough stories, eventually you're going to get into, I think, your subconscious and get into the things that you really want to write. And so you just write long enough. And, and I think that that's, it was there, but it wasn't the catalyst. I was just writing. Okay. That makes sense. Wonderful. Yeah. And in fact, let's talk a little bit about your writing process. Do you map out your stories beforehand or are you like Stephen King? You start writing and eventually you wind up somewhere. Um, yes and yes. So I, <laughs> I map them out and then I try to follow the map for a while and then something happens. Don't ask me what it is. Something happens in the story. The map is no longer good. And then I have to remap. So I, I, I kind of do, but I'm really not very good at it, I guess. Oh, I disagree with with that. I think your process has come together and brought us this story. Whatever the process right. was, this story comes Thank together. You. And there's a lot of interesting messages here about our current lifestyle. Just so you know, the one of the world's experts on utopian dystopia is Professor Pamela Bador, who's one of our radio hosts here on Too Much Scrolling. And yeah. she, I think, would love your message about our current situation based on this utopian dystopia. What What is it about dystopia that lends itself to writing like this? Uh, you know, I don't know. I would love to talk to Pamela, though, someday. But... Um... It, it, it's, I think that you take what you see right now and you, you worry about the future, right? And so what do you worry most about the future? For me, it's this medical stuff. For other people, it's wars, you know, for other people, it's, I don't know, mutants or aliens, you know, um, but we only know what's happening right now, right? Um and, and maybe we should live right in the right here and right now, but what if we can do something right now that can help people in the future, that kind of, you know, ideation. So um, I think that that's why I write, why I wrote this dystopian. I don't write only dystopian, by the way. Okay. So. You threw a little bit of AI in there too. There's a, there's a little bit yeah. of technology that, yeah. uh, kicks in in your story where the people have uh, implants that contain all of the answers to all of their needs right there on right. their eyebrows. Right. <laughs> so yes. do you want that? Is that, is that a future that you're looking forward to having Siri on your face? You know, we're so close, aren't we? Yes. We're so close to that. We totally so, are. Yeah. 10 years ago, we weren't as close to it, but um, now we're so close to it. So I'm actually relieved that I, the book came out now so that the things that I talked about in the book or put into the book didn't already happen. You know? <laughs> we kind of have this. I mean, I'm talking on a, a cell phone. Yeah. And for many people, their cell phone is kind of like AI. It's, yeah. it's connected to your person almost at all times. Yeah. And you can see sort of even Elon Musk is talking about implants and things of that and we'll yeah. we'll all be part of the board before you know it yeah so, so the question is do we want that is that the future that you're looking for mary is that a question um that's a great question um i think it's a future that's unavoidable do i want it probably not all the time probably there will be good things from it and equally devastating things from it as well 
going into it, thinking through those possibilities, that's where literature and, and authors like yeah. you come in, thinking yeah. through the possibilities. Right. So what's your advice for young people who want to start writing? Start sooner than I did. Um, it, so before 29, everyone. Before 29, for sure. Um no, but I think that the, what I would tell young people, honestly, is just to keep writing. Write until you feel like you've found your voice in your writing. Um, when you first start writing, you're going to look like other writers that you like, which is not a bad thing. You're just kind of practicing and trying to find your feet. Um, but eventually you do. You, you do find your voice. You find where your characters are, are strongest, um, where your stories are strongest. And um, parts of yourself will creep into your stories, even if you're writing things that have nothing to do with you. So, um, and that's a good thing. So that's what I would tell young writers. Just keep writing and find yourselves in, a, in your writing. You'll recognize it too. It's, it's amazing. You'll recognize it yourself in your writing once you're there. What was the process for publishing? This is, this is your first published novel. So what was that process like? Yeah. Um, Publishing is hard. Um, I went with the traditional publishing route. Um, a lot of people are doing the self-publishing now, um, which was not as popular 10 years ago when I first started. And I was not interested in it then, not as interested in it right now either, only because I'm an introvert and self-publishing involves a lot of self-promotion and I am horrible at that. Um, so I went with the traditional publishing and um, I, it, the first thing is to find an agent, of course. Um, agents are looking for very specific things at very specific times and um, they look for things that they personally like. So even if they like your writing, if they're not looking for that subject matter, they're going to pass on something. So that took a long time for me. Um, my agent was working for a different agency at the time. She read my work. She was a assistant agent at the time and then once she got a job a couple years later she contacted me and said hey do you still have that story I want it so that's kind of how it happened for me um it did take a very long time and then um it took another couple of years for my agent to place it with uh angry robots and that's a UK publisher and in the United States publishes under uh Penguin Random House so um publishing process though was fine it was it was not hard, just editing and getting the book out. The cover was the hardest, I think. <laughs> that had more revisions than anything, <laughs> but it was good. Really? How interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. certainly what the artwork does can can make a can make a book. Yeah. Um, it, isn't that interesting? Yeah. You you so. you spent all this time writing this wonderful story. And yeah. then it's about the marketing of it and getting it through the hands yes. that are going to, to find it. Yeah. You even have an audiobook version of this. That's that's pretty impressive for a first book. Thank you. Um I, I don't I don't know. That was actually just somebody that Tantor, I think, publishing approached my publisher, Avery Robots, and offered, you know, whatever they offered and they came up to an agreement. And I actually love the the audiobook. I love audiobooks. I, I do too. She did a great job. Amory Gideon. Yes. She did a great job. Fantastic. So what are you working on next? 
this is this is your first book what what's your what's what are we looking forward to so i would love to have a second book for this series um uh, it, it hmm. all depends on how well burrow does now um there's a lot more work to be done um gotta go above ground of course um but i'm also working on some middle grade books so um i have one that's called off grid right now <laughs> the titles can change of course um that's out for a submission with my agent um so th- i mean I-, I like to write mostly for kiddos um this one went out in the adult market but really it was for uh young adult market okay. when i first started writing it so it, it had morphed over time um the subject matter is a little bit i don't know um intense maybe for young adult so um although i have some teachers using it in in lessons so So that's a good question to ask is um writing for say a general audience a young adult audience versus writing for more of an adult audience what's the difference um so you could use the same kind of intense themes um because you know hunger games right um sure but um I, I think I don't I don't normally write for adult audiences, but I think that um, they expect more complexity in characters. Um, okay. For a character not to look like they're all one hundred percent good and make one hundred percent good choices all the time, or all you know, you know, what I'm saying that there has to be a lot more complexity there going back and forth, um, as opposed to young adult, they're looking for, you know, a straight storyline. And that's certainly of our, of our generation, things have become much grayer than they were. Yes. Say a hundred years ago when we were writing. Right. Good guys were good guys and bad people were bad people. Yes. And yeah. You know, now everything is a little more complex. But even what you're basically um it sounds like you're saying is that if you're writing for adults, they have to be even more complex. Right. Right. Where can our listeners find out more information about this book and also the the other projects you're working on? Um, well, I do have a website. Always find out more about me there. I am on all of the social medias, Twitter. What's the new one? Threads. The Welcome one. to Threads. Threads. Thank you, Threads. I'm out there. TikTok, Instagram, all those places. Um, this book, though, is you can buy it anywhere. Baroed is on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, it's everywhere. So your website is marybaderkaylee.com and yes. we can find your name on all of the social medias and and keep track of of what you're working on and the the future, Correct. the future of all the of future. these possibilities. Yes. And you can find if you you can find those links in our show notes. Mary, thank, thank you, you so much for this book. Thank you for joining us. And, and I look forward to what you're going to bring us next. Thank you so much, Steve and Chip. Scroll with it. Brings us to our scroll with it. There's plenty of things happening in the world. Let's talk about almost none of them. What is on your calendar this week, sir? We celebrated Canada Day on July 1st. We celebrated America's birthday on July 4th. Guess what? 
It's time to bring out the baguettes, baby. Time to celebrate the French. It is Bastille Day on Friday, July 14th. Happy Bastille Day to all of our French listeners. People are going to be running the streets. It's going to be riots, Steve. Oh, geez, don't say riots in, in Paris. That's that's not oh, too, ooh, too soon. Ooh. Interestingly enough, this last week um, before, I mean, I guess to prepare for Bastille Day, or as the French like to call it, Ah, Putin Juliet. Embador just just looked up and went, what was that sound that just came through my radio? As the French call it, uh, French national celebration. (laughs) As I speak French. As I speak French, of course. Like an American. Fromage, Steve. Fromage. Um, In preparation, we um, had the release of the first trailer for Napoleon, the movie that's going to be released in theaters in November. Of this year. Is it a short film? Oh! (laughs) Piggy, piggy, piggy. (laughs) Give me like Bill and Ted, Steve. Um, Joaquin Phoenix, Steve. (laughs) Joaquin Phoenix plays Napoleon in this Apple TV Plus movie about about the life of of that particular leader. Once again, Apple TV um, has sponsored this film, but it's going to be released in theaters. Ridley Scott is our director on this. So there's a lot of effort. This is going to be a big film. I'm (laughs) assuming they're going to go for movie of the year. Really? You think that this is a movie of the year level filmmaking? That's what they're going to attempt to do. In fact, the trailer... It's got this great scene where Napoleon's standing over this uh, mountain and the armies are approaching him and he goes, fire, and they fire and all the cannons land because they're going across a lake, land into the lake, break the ice and all the the, uh, opposing armies fall into the water. It's Napoleon. That's that's big. That's a big Ridley Scott kind of movie. I, I look forward to that one. I'm wondering if this has... A little bit to do with Stanley Kubrick. He wanted to do a Napoleon film. Hmm. And I wonder if Ridley uh, Scott picked up on it. It's something to look for. My, oh, my goodness, it's going to come out in November. But, Steve, that's not the only day that's coming out this week. There's plenty of other things on our calendar this week, Chip. More road trips, more reports from the field, getting out there, being a part of the community, and uh, see. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Explore uh, the summer, Steve. Yeah. Find out about that thing called the sun. I hope not to be in the sun for too much. I hope to be I hope to be in nice air conditioned, climate controlled situations for the next week. We want to thank our guest this week, Mary Bader Kaylee. You can find her book Burrowed in our show notes and on Amazon.com and at her website, MaryBaderKaylee.com. I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. I think we can. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is toomuchscrolling.com. Our email is toomuchscrolling at gmail.com. We're on threads and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Fodor. I'm Chip Hessenflow. We'll see you in the future. Oh.